Hey, welcome back to Bible Line. I'm your host, Pastor Jesse Martinez, and we are going to start doing podcast audio specific uploads. Been talking with Trent, the editor, and you know, we just really want to kind of get back to a groove where instead of just making a copy of what we do on the YouTube channel, getting to specific content geared just for our audio listeners on podcast. And maybe you're here because you heard about this on YouTube or our social media platforms. Uh, maybe you've been a faithful podcast listener, but I just want to keep producing content and we want to keep trying to reach people. And what we're going to do over the next several weeks, and I do mean several weeks, is we're going to cover some highlights from a course in personal evangelism that um, I took here at Florida Bible College. For those of you who don't know, uh, I graduated from Florida Bible College in 2017. I came to school in 2013. Uh, similar to my testimony story where I was just trying to figure out what is God's will for my life, Dr. Arnold really challenged me. Dr. Arnold, who's the president of uh, Florida Bible College here in Tampa, he challenged me, if you want to know God's will, you have to know his word. And that made a lot of sense. I, you know, the way that I was raised, I was raised Southern Baptist. There wasn't a lot of emotion in the Sunday service and stuff, but sometimes it did come out that way. Like you had to be on fire for God and like on fire meant like you never wavered. And there was just so much there, there's just a lot of emotion that was going into everything. And for the first time when I started coming here to Calvary, the emotion part was separated from the biblical truth. And those of you who are on the conservative side, you know Ben Shapiro. He has that famous, facts don't care about your feelings. And, you know, that's that's a pretty crass way to put it, but it is true. And I think it's important if you're going to separate the way that you feel from what the Bible says, you're going to be better off. Like, the facts should 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 inform my feelings. You know, feelings come and go. You're going to wake up feeling great one day and then wake up feeling horrible the next. Nothing has changed except our feelings. They just kind of come and go. But when I came to school here at Calvary um, through Flor Florida Bible College of Tampa, I took personal evangelism, did that for a whole semester, and we met three times a week. And we, you know, Dr. Arnold would talk about his experiences and what he sees from the Bible and the importance of soul winning. And so when I sat down and I talked to Trent a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about our content calendar, I was like, we really need to get back to, um, an, you know, a specific upload. That's not just a copy of YouTube for the podcast. And I thought, I think it'd be great to walk through the personal evangelism lectures. So that's what we're going to do. This is not a class, you know, um, it's, it's not anything like that. I just want to share with you some very important highlights about personal evangelism. When you think of personal evangelism, this is everybody's responsibility, okay? I have heard sometimes, and I think this is incorrect, I've heard people say, well, I don't have the gift of personal evangelism. It's not, a, it, we're, we're not talking about a gift. I, I do think that people may be gifted evangelistically to, you know, it's more natural for them to start a conversation. It's more natural for them to kind of lead a person to Christ because of some you know, charisma they may have or whatever. But as far as the responsibility goes, that's not exclusively for people that have been gifted, you know, the gift of evangelism or the gift of public speaking. Uh, personal evangelism is, it's, it's spiritual education for the lost man. 
somebody had to reach you. And when we think of that word soul winner, what's a soul winner? It, and that word kind of is going out of style, I would say. And I, I don't think that's a good thing. Uh, you know, we all should be soul winners. This is a specialist in the art of making the gospel clear to the lost man. Notice here, like soul winner is someone who specializes in making the gospel clear. And we'll talk later about like desire without knowledge and desire with knowledge. But soul winner is someone who makes the gospel clear. So people can know the gospel, but they don't give it clearly or they don't give it at all. That's not a soul winner. Okay. And not one of us, not one of us would be going to heaven if it wasn't for soul winners. You know, I think of my uncle, Jeff Taylor. He was a soul winner. He talked to me about the gospel. I had been going to a Baptist church. I was 12 when I got saved. I mean, I've been going to a Baptist church for years. Still didn't understand the gospel. I heard the gospel, but I heard about turning from sin. And I heard about asking Jesus into my heart. And as a kid, I tried to do those things literally. I remember going to sleep at night thinking, like, I'm glad that Jesus Christ is in my physical beating heart. Because that's what was being told for me, for, you know, for me to get to heaven. But if it wasn't for soul winners, if it wasn't for someone who gave the gospel clearly and specialized in that, I don't think any of us would have had an opportunity to put our faith in Christ. Whether it's a soul winner in digital material, like a website or a YouTube video or social media post, whatever it is, or, you know, we're talking about somebody who wrote a book, you know, in, in physical content or someone who talked to you face to face. If it wasn't for soul winners, People wouldn't hear the gospel, and we need to make the gospel clear, and we need to be constant in the gospel and its clarity. There's a verse I want you to think about. It's Mark chapter 8 and verse 35. It says, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. Jesus is talking there, and you know, there's, there's three things that I kind of want to pull from that. Number one, there's a choice to make. I believe contextually the whosoever in Mark 8.35 is referring to believers, those who already know Christ as Savior. And it's any believer, just as John 3.16 says, whosoever believeth in him means anyone can trust Christ as Savior, they'll have everlasting life. So Mark 8.35 means that any believer who will serve Christ will save his life. Now, what does that mean? Like, I, I, I don't think this is talking about you're going to live physically, you know, like you're, you're going to continue to breathe if you serve Christ. But you're going to save your life in that you're going to redeem it. It's going to be made worth it. You're going to be rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ. So if you got your Bibles, and I hope you always have your Bibles, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Some of you know where I'm going. Some of you might be just now realizing where I'm going. But I think when it talks about shall save his life, there's an example of a life that was worth living. And it's a life that is rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ. Paul's talking in the book of Corinthians to a very young, very immature, very carnal church in Corinth, the port city, like a melting pot of different cultures, a lot of idolatry, a lot of spiritual wickedness in high places, and it was creeping into the church. And Paul is just, he's walking through different uh, doctrines and principles for them to apply to their Christian lives. And in chapter three, he talks about a judgment. And this is a judgment that is for believers, and it is called the judgment seat of Christ. And this is how he explains it, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. 
Now, if any man build upon this foundation, and he's going to start describing one of a total of two categories, and there's building materials within each category. So category number one, that you build on the foundation, which chapter or verse 11 said is the foundation, which is Christ. So we're talking about believers here. A lost man can't build on a foundation of Christ because he doesn't have Christ. Okay, when you get saved, you're building on the foundation of Christ. So gold, silver, precious stones, that's the end of category one. And this category I'm going to call the profitable category. And then there's category two, wood, hay, and stubble. That's the end of category two. And that is the unprofitable category. So these two building materials are building materials that the believer uses in their life after they trust Christ. Okay. So in Mark 8, 35, the one who will lose his life for the sake of the gospel shall save it. Your life is going to be profitable if you live for the gospel. So 1 Corinthians 3, 13 continues. Every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try or test, prove every man's work. So that's those two categories, the profitable category, gold, silver, precious stone, the unprofitable category, wood, hay, and stubble. They're going to be tested by fire. Okay. You light gold, silver, precious stone on fire. It's going to abide. It's going to remain. You light wood, hay, and stubble on fire. It's not going to abide. It's not going to remain. It'll be ash. The gold, silver, precious stone is refined for a reward. The wood, hay, and stubble is burned up for nothing. There is no reward there. Verse 14 explains that. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. Verse 15, if any man's work shall be burned, which is burned up, he, the believer, shall suffer loss. Not loss of their eternal life, but loss of reward. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. The Christian life is full of purpose. You need to do good works. You need to be a soul winner. You need to be sharing the gospel early and often because you're going to be rewarded for that. And I believe you'll be held accountable for the opportunities that are presented to you. And so in Mark 8, 35, when Jesus says that here, you know, I want you to think this, this is how you handle your life. What are you going to do? It's an individual choice. Just like you can't force a lost man to trust Christ, you can't force a believer to serve Christ. It's an individual choice. You know, I think of the podcast, it's kind of laid back. So I just want to kind of tell you some stories. I remember people that came to Bible college, whether it was online or in person, and things just didn't stick. And what I have now noticed about all of those situations, except for a few outliers, what I've noticed about those situations is they were they had to be convinced to come to school. There had to be scholarships thrown at them. There had to be job opportunities thrown at them. It was as if there was nothing difficult for them to do. It's like the choice was made for them. And then, you know, six weeks go by or a whole semester goes by and they quit. Why? It's not a choice that they made. It was a choice that was made for them. I can't, even through this podcast, I can't make you serve the Lord. I can try and motivate you to do so. I can try and motivate you to share the gospel and be clear and be consistent, but that ends up being a choice that you have to make. It's the same thing with salvation. That's why we reject Calvinism. I think God has given every single person a free will to either choose 
to accept or reject Christ for salvation, period. He's not going to make us believe. He's, he, he will bring you to the point of where you must choose. You know, seek and you will find. Seek and you will find is not a guarantee that people will find and then get saved. Seek and that you will find means you will find the truth. Now, you have to make the decision about whether you'll believe on the truth or not. So there's consequences of the choices that we make. The lost man who trusts Christ, he, he's made a wise decision, right? He has everlasting life. The believer who will live for Christ has also made a wise choice. He's going to save his life. His life's going to be profitable. In what way? Well, when you live for the Lord, what you do lasts for eternity. And therefore, you have redeemed this life. Not your eternal life, but you have redeemed the temporary physical life that you have. There's a song called My Christian Friend. And there's the last line of that song that says, Only one life will uh, will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. So whosoever will lose his life for my sake is to live your life for Christ and for the gospel. And there is an importance to your choice. So we've talked about you have a choice to make. There's a consequence for your choice. And there's an importance for the choice that you make. I want you to think about this for a second. We're talking about personal evangelism. We're talking about soul winning. What is the most important decision you can make in life? It's not a trick question. Okay. What is the most important decision you can make in your life? It is to trust Jesus Christ as Savior. Period. That is the only decision that I would say matters before you get saved. So if that's the most important thing you can do in life is to hear the gospel and trust Christ, then it must be the most important thing to live for as well. I wish those were my words, folks. That's that's Dr. Arnold right there. But if we really look at it, if the most important decision a person can make is to place their faith in Jesus Christ after they've heard the good news of salvation, then that must be the most important thing we can live for too. In my line of work, as a pastor, as a counselor, you know, all those different things. My life revolves around the gospel, but I go into many different things. The gospel informs my view on prophecy. It informs informs my view on marriage and divorce. It informs my view on biblical qualifications for leaders. I, all sorts of stuff. All my doctrine is built off of what the gospel is. And if I'm not careful, I can start to live my life with the gospel being secondary to all those other things. Yes, 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 the gospel, but when is the Lord coming back? Yes, 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 the gospel, but textual criticism 101. Yes, 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 the gospel, but hyper dispensationalism versus, you know, dispensationalism, all that kind of stuff. And that all that is good. We should teach those things. But the most important thing that I can live for is to get people in front of the gospel. That's why this podcast channel exists. That's why the YouTube channel exists. That's why we live stream on now four different platforms. All of that is because of the gospel. And so I ask you, the listener, if the most important decision in your life is to put your faith in Christ, then doesn't it make sense that the most important thing is to live for that message, to live for the gospel? It it, it, it makes sense. So, now people get motivated with that and now they have a desire, okay? But they have a desire without knowledge. And let's just talk about that for a moment, okay? Desire without knowledge. Okay, so I don't build stuff, right? I'm not a handyman. The only thing, you know, handy about the things that I do is using my fingers to search it up on YouTube and try to figure it out or using my fingers to dial someone's phone number and text or call them to help me do it. 
Okay. <laughs> so, but if I had a desire to build a house and, and I know what the house looks like, I know how I want it done, but I don't know what building materials to buy. And I don't know how to work with those materials. And I don't know how to construct them in a way that produces the house that I want. I have the desire, but I don't have knowledge. So you can discipline your life in many different areas, but you have to discipline your life to be a soul winner in order to learn how to win people to Christ. And that is what personal evangelism it is. It is the art of making the gospel clear. So desire without knowledge to fulfill leads to frustration. That's what the point of what we're talking about today is and what we'll be talking about for several weeks to come with this podcast exclusive episode series on personal evangelism. I want to do the best I can to give you the knowledge to fulfill the desire you have to win souls. So what's the difference of having knowledge with desire? Well, you, you have to have a purpose, right? So here we go back to the house illustration, right? Let's say I did know how to build a house. I had that dream house in my mind and I want to build it. Well, I'm not going to build it if there's no need for it, right? Well, okay, I want to build a house because I want to have a special and unique house for my family, for my friends. Maybe I'm going to start a home church and, and that'll be a place for the body of Christ to meet and congregate and for people to get saved and grow. Okay, now I have a purpose. It's not just I'm building a house somewhere and there it is. No, now now the house has a purpose. You have you have the knowledge you have the, excuse me, you have the desire, you have the knowledge, now you need a purpose. Okay, well, I think there's a good purpose in Romans chapter 10. So take your Bibles and let's look in Romans chapter 10. Uh, we'll look in chapter 10 and we'll specifically start there in verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach, verse 15, except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report, verse 17, and this is the point I'm making. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. In order for people to understand the gospel, they have to hear it. So there's our purpose, there's our motivation. Yes, people are dying and they're going to hell. But they need to hear the gospel for that to change. We are not necessarily trying to manipulate them into belief. We are trying to present them with a series of facts, overwhelming biblical evidence to meet their need, which is they need a savior. That's the, that's the purpose behind why we gain the knowledge and we execute the desire of that knowledge. We want people to get saved. That should be the driving motivation. And if we're not careful, we can kind of just be satisfied. Well, I'm going to heaven. Someone else can do that. Well, that's not the approach that we should take. I want you to remember the lost man's eternal destination. Yankee, uh, when, when, when he's writing in personal evangelism here, he talks about when he went to boot camp. Okay. And, and he joined the Navy in Greensburg, Pennsylvania. He didn't have much with him and he got on a train. And on that train to boot camp, it was lavish air conditioning, all kinds of food, comfortable bed. And he was enjoying the trip, but he had no idea about the destination, boot camp, where it was standing at attention for hours and men dropping like flies from exhaustion. He had a great time on the way to boot camp, but when he got to boot camp, it was much different than the trip. So the illustration is made this way. 
people will live great lives full of joy and happiness. They get married, they have kids, their kids grow up and have kids, and they die of old age, and they don't have a lot of health issues, they're financially well off, they didn't necessarily suffer much, but then they die and go to hell. That's the lost man's eternal destination. Hell. The trip was great. They end up in hell. They don't know what is ahead of them. Those who do know, we have to care and look out for those who don't know. Now, there is a command for us to be soul winners. Like I said in the, in the onset of the podcast, there's kind of this attitude of like, well, I'm not gifted to be a soul winner. It's not about a gift, folks. You know, a gift and a command are two totally separate things. There are spiritual gifts that are given by the Holy Spirit at the moment of belief for the edification of the body of Christ. But this is not, we're not talking about those. Mark chapter 16 and verse 15 says this, And he said unto them, Go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Okay, well, Christ told his disciples to go. That's the command. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. They already had three plus years of experience with Christ before he sent them out. They had gone locally in their area, but not into the world. They also had three years of Bible training first. Well, we're calling it Bible training, but they also had training with Christ after his resurrection. When Jesus said all the world, that meant every creature. You know, those two things are tied together. This means that there's no place or no person that they would not reach. That's, that's the command. Go to all these people except those people. You know, this is why when people say, well, and I, I don't mean to like shift suddenly, but it just came to my mind, you know, in the new international or new IFB, new independent fundamental Baptist movement, they have excluded certain people from salvation, specifically homosexuals. And they say, if you're gay, there ain't no way. If you're, if, if you're a practicing homosexual, there's no way you can be saved. They use Romans 1 out of context and say, they're the reprobate ones. They're never going to get saved. While it is true that they are hardening their hearts, like Pharaoh hardened their hearts, does it, it, it does not mean that God's ability to save them has vanished. Nothing in Scripture su to support that. And if we start putting limitations on who we're going to talk to, well, I'll talk to everybody as long as they're willing to hear me. I'll talk to everybody as long as they're nice to me. I'll talk to everybody as long as I'm comfortable. Guess what? You're going to start to dwindle down. You're going to start to dwindle down what God said. Go into all the world. The good people and the bad people. Because guess what? There ain't no good people. Even you. Mm. That's the truth. And preach the gospel to every creature. God has given us a plan. Now in Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20, there's a little bit more emphasis here. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. This adds on to that responsibility. If you just win people to the Lord, your responsibility has not been fulfilled. You've got to teach them. Who? Those who you have won to the Lord. Well, what do you teach them? You teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Mark 16, 15 is the command, and Matthew 28 continues to build on that. You need to teach those you've won to the Lord to do the same as you, win people to the Lord. This is how ministries begin to thrive. This is how ministries need building plans, and they need to expand and start another campus or whatever it is. They need to grow, and you do that by adding, not necessarily to the physical church, but adding to the body of Christ.
I, I can look back at my life and see how this happened. My uncle, Jeff Taylor, won me to the Lord. Okay, and then we started coming here to Calvary. Then Dr. Lindstrom, through his preaching and teaching, taught me the word. When he passed away, Dr. Arnold came along, and Dr. Arnold specifically began to disciple me. He started setting standards for me. He started teaching me specifically one-on-one. And I started to learn, through Florida Bible College education, my importance to winning souls to Christ. And we were running the ranch program for, for a long time. Well, my entire tenure here, I was running it with Justin and Tyler, my some of my best friends. And we would do ranch every Thursday night and kids would get saved. Well, some of those kids would never come back. Well, they got saved. That's good. But to the ones who did come back, we began to disciple them, to start teaching them how to soul into their friends. And even the kids that didn't come back, they were still bringing friends from time to time who were getting saved. That's how stuff grows. That's how things multiply. It wouldn't have been enough for me to say, all right, well, you got saved. Thanks for coming. See you later. Thank you. We don't need to ever see you again. No, they continually come back so we can teach them how to win their friends to Christ. And this has come full circle, by the way. 2013 to 2017 is when we were running the ranch program here, you know, with with Justin and Tyler, which is when I think the program was doing really good because we just had all the time in the world to pour into it. Well, there was a there was a young man who came with his girlfriend, Robert and Erica, and they got saved. And when they graduated out of high school, they kept coming to ranch. Then they got married. They kept coming to ranch and they started coming to church. And I would continue to teach them through the teaching of the word and through ranch and all that. And they have grown. And I've tried to disciple them along the way by teaching the word. And we've become very, very good friends, my wife and I, with Robert and Erica. And just the other day, they became our Awana uh, directors. That's the point of teaching them to observe all things. Robert and Erica continue to grow. That's my responsibility to continue to pour into them. We all have this command. It was passed, you know, this great commission was given to the apostles and through them to us. We are disciples too. After we put our faith in Christ and we choose to follow him, we're a disciple to be disciplined of Christ. So is being a soul winner a command? Yes, it is. We all have the command. There's nothing in those two passages that say only those who have the gift. You didn't see that. We pass the command along to every one of God's children. Why should we pass it on? If soul winners do not pass it on, then when they die, the whole process stops. And you've seen this throughout history, where the church goes silent or the church dies. It's because, you know, there's always a remnant, but it starts to dwindle because people do not do their responsibility to win souls to Christ. And the ability to do the job is given to us by the Holy Spirit. And you can see that in Luke 24, 46 through 47. Jesus is talking here. He says, And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem. God tells us what we need to preach, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, as that verse says. But he told the disciples at one moment, You're going to go, but not yet. In verse 49 of Luke 24, he says, And behold, I send the, fa- I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. So the command was to go, but the time was not yet. Okay. When did the clock start? Well, Jesus said in verse 49, the last part, until you be endued with power from on high. When did that happen? 
that happened in Acts chapter 1 and verse 5. The power from on high continued into verse 8 of Acts chapter 1. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. God says he's given us the power we need to accomplish the job he has commanded us to do. Also, that's when that command started. The Great Commission, the instructions were given before the church age, Mark 16, 15, Matthew 28, 19 through 20, and Luke 24, 46 through 49. But when the Holy Spirit came down in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, that's when the responsibility begins for all believers. For all believers. So we can't look and say, well, that was just a command for the disciples. No, that's a command for you, and it's a command for me. So I'm really looking forward, guys, to be moving and grooving through this series. Uh, and I'm excited, too, to get back to just some real stress-free talking, you know, and I hope that this has been a blessing to you. I just want to say, too, if, if you haven't already, we're doing a bunch of stuff online. We're on Twitter at BibleLineMin, M-I-N, BibleLineMin. We're on Facebook. We're on Sermon Audio under Calvary Community Church of Tampa. We're live streaming on BibleLine. I think YouTube is probably our biggest social media presence. So check us out there, youtube.com forward slash at BibleLine. Subscribe. When you hit the notification bell, make sure you turn it on for all notifications. We're doing YouTube shorts. We're live streaming the church services there. Now we're doing at least two uploads a week, looking to add more interviews, question and answers, sermons, all that stuff. We're here for you, but not just for you to consume the content, for you to share it. This is a part of your personal evangelism. That's what we're trying to do, equip you. But I'm looking forward to continue through this series. I pray that it's going to be a blessing for you. God bless, and we will see you next week. Until next time, keep looking up. Jesus Christ is coming soon. Amen. God bless you. If you enjoyed today's episode of Bible Line, make sure to subscribe to the channel and share this video with a friend. Do you have a Bible question? Send us an email, questions at BibleLineMinistries.org, and we'll do our best to get you an answer. Or you can leave your question in the comments of this video. Be sure to check the links in the description for more clear Bible teaching. Bible Line is a ministry of Calvary Community Church located in Tampa, Florida.